Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm. And you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30, followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now, for the best part, let's get into the word. Good afternoon, good afternoon. I know you're all probably wondering, why has she stayed there? <laughs> Today... Um, is one of those days where, you know, when the Bible says be ready in season and out of season? Oh, today is that day. Um, I greet you all in the name of the Lord. You're most welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle, London. My name is Mercy. Um, I am a daughter of the house. I lead worship here. I also teach um, in the house. So today we're going we're gonna to just jump right into the word. And then when before the service finishes... Um, Reverend Reuben will come and greet you and he will end the service. Is that okay? Are you okay with me staying here? Is that okay? You haven't seen too much of me, have you? So, um, yeah, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you're here and we know that your Holy Spirit is moving in this place and you're going to speak. You are already speaking and we just give you our all. We give you our ears, our hearts and minds and we ask that you just use us, so oh God. And you have your way. Amen. Um, my job this morning or this afternoon is very simple. I just came to encourage somebody. I see many faces, new faces in the house. And I welcome you all to Shiloh. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. You're most welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle if this is your first time. We love you already because God loves you. And he knows why you're in this place. So this morning... Um, I didn't, I wasn't planned that I will be stood here bringing the word, but God allowed me this morning to hear from him this whole week. And if you want to take notes, um, the title of today's sermon is, You Always Answer. You Always Answer. I've listened to this song this week, the whole week, and the song is called You Always Answer. It's in a different language, but it's, it means you always answer. And... As I listened to this song this week, there was something that I was wanting or I was uh, praying for and I was believing. I stood on this word. And I said, and the, the words of the song were, you always answer. I have this confidence that when I call you, you always answer. Every person in this room represents a need, represents a question. Everybody here has a question that they have for God, a question that only God can answer. And I came this morning or this afternoon to tell you that he always, always answers. But there's a caveat to that statement. And we're going to explore that. My main scripture, my focus scripture is in 1 John 5 from verse 13 to 15. And I'll read for you in the Passion Translation. It says, verse 13, so John writes and says, I write this to you. So he's closing his letter to the, to, to the church. And he says, after, you know, writing all of this, this is all he's given to the church. He says, I write this to you who believe in, adhere to, 
trust in and rely on. This is the amplified version. So he says, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, the peculiar services and blessings conferred by him on men so that you may know and have life, that you already have life, yes, eternal life. And verse 14 and 15 is where I want us to focus. And it says, and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness, which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he will listen. He listens to and hears us. Verse 15. And if since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us as our present possessions the requests made of him. Amen. All through scripture, we are exposed to a God who speaks, who sees, but he also listens. Because we know he spoke the whole world into existence and we've seen him speak. He's made promises to Abraham. He's made covenants to all these people. So we know that he speaks and we know that he sees because he saw the children of Israel in bondage and he sent someone to deliver them. So he's a God who sees but he's also a God who listens. Because in order for somebody to act, in order for an action to be fulfilled, one must have a request and one somebody must listen for there to be an answer. So the children of Israel spoke to God and we know that he listened because he sent them a deliverer. The children cried out, their father listened and he sent Moses. So in all of that, in that one scenario, we see a God who sees his children in pain. And when the children cry out to their father, he listens and he sends them one to deliver. The same with us and Jesus. We were in sin and he saw us in sin and he said, do you know what? I love them too much, so let me send them a deliverer. So we know that he listens when we pour our hearts out to him. He listens. When he had a conversation with Abraham in Genesis, God came to Abraham and he spoke in Genesis and Abraham said, but the, heir, the only person that I have to leave my, my legacy to is Eliezer of Damascus. And God was like to him, no, 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 no. I'm telling you that you will be a father of nations. So this conversation, we see God conversing with his people. He has a conversation with, with Abraham and a promise is made. A promise is made. And God says, I'm going to make you a father of nations. I'm not sure how, but you know, it's going to happen. Abraham is unsure, but it's going to happen. So we see that God speaks to Abraham and encourages Abraham. And throughout that portion of scripture, there's about 25 years before the promise is fulfilled. And one would ask, did God really answer? Why has he taken so long? Where is this answer? Because I've, I've just said to you that he always answers. 
But I bet you're asking me how, why, when, but my situation. And I've lived that that moment of, or that season of when will you answer? Will you really answer? So I want to ask you a few questions. I want to leave you with some questions as we're going through. In our, in our focus verse, in all, I read three versions, the ESV, the New Living Translation and the, and the Amplified, and they all use this word, confidence. We have this confidence. So what is confidence? Confidence is a feeling or a belief that someone or something is good or has the ability to succeed at something. It's the feeling of being certain that something will happen or that something is true. So John writes in his letter and he, he almost uses it collectively and he says, we have this confidence for we believe in Jesus. He, we believe that he came, he died, he shed his blood. So that means we have this confidence. There's a confidence that comes from the love of God. There's a confidence that comes from the sacrifice on Calvary. So he tells the church, he says, we have this confidence. And this morning, I want to ask you, where is that confidence? Where is your confidence? Where have you placed your trust? Where have you placed that feeling of belief? Who do you believe will answer who do you believe is going to come through? You may be at a crossroad. You may be somewhere where you're like, I don't even know if God is going to come. So let me try this. So we're going to go back to Abraham. And Abraham, after God has promised him, you're going to be a father of nations. They will, you will be blessed to be a blessing. And Abraham, like every human, for a moment, didn't have confidence in God. His wife comes to him and says, you know what? I know that God said this is going to happen. But at this moment, I don't know what he's doing or where he's like, where is he? So I have a plan. And Sarai or Sarah basically asks, who are you going to put your confidence in a God that you don't see or in your wife who has a plan that is tangible. And in that moment, Abraham moves his confidence from God who has spoken and he places his confidence in Sarah. And that's where we have Ishmael. His confidence shifted from God because even though God has spoken and even though God has promised Right now, it doesn't seem like he remembers his promise. Right now, in this season, it seems like he's forgotten about the promise that he made. It seems that he's forgotten about the covenant that he made to me. So maybe I need to figure out a way on my own to get that. And that's definitely the wrong thing to do. So this morning, where is your confidence? Who have you placed your confidence in? Has it shifted for a moment? And if so, do you know that it has shifted? Because in order for you to shift it back, you must know that it's moved from the one who authored your life. He is Alpha and Omega. He knows the end from the beginning and he stands right in the middle holding you both. Your future, your past and your present. He holds it all together. So in this, in this moment, have you shifted your focus? Have you shifted your confidence? Has it moved from the word that came forth? Has it moved from the promise that was made? And is it now in yourself 
Because, you know, as humans, we believe that we can... There's this, I don't know how to explain it, but I'll speak about myself. I'm one of those people that likes to be in control of my life. And this is a terrible thing to, like a terrible attribute to have when you're a Christian because you have to surrender said life to God. So for a a long time, I I knew... I knew what I wanted to be. I knew I knew the steps that I needed to take to get to that place. And God kind of came and was like, no, I don't actually want you to take that route. That's not where I want you to be right now. Because I promise you that if I was, if it was up to me and I had taken the route that I wanted, I don't think you would see me standing here. Because the person that is stood before you has had to surrender her life. The person that stood before you this afternoon, I've had to let go of control in my life. There are certain things that in life we want to be in control of our finances, our marriage, our relationships, our job. I want to be, you know, financially free. Yeah, I want to do all these things and you want to be in control. It's all everything you, 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 you. But as a Christian, this life, it doesn't belong to you. The one who created it is the one who orchestrates things to happen. He's not a controlling God. No, 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 no. But you willingly give him control. You give him permission to move and to do that which he wants to do. Which is why John says we ask according to his will and his plans. So the next question I want to ask is what you're asking God for. Is it in alignment with his will? Is it in alignment with his will? plan for your life have you sought God for the blueprint for what he's doing in your life he's not a God that will reveal everything because if he reveals everything then you know you don't you don't need him anymore so he reveals in part that's why the Bible says we see in part and we prophesy in part so he may reveal to you in a dream or he may send one of his messengers to tell you that God wants you to go around this route So everything that you ask for must be in alignment with his will. When you ask your father, I've used this example all the time. A five-year-old could not go to his dad and ask for a, um, a car. And the dad will give him a real car because that's a bad father. Why would you give a five-year-old a real car to do what? And then allow him to enter said car. So we have a God who knows our needs before we say a word. That's Matthew 6. When, God is, when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray, he says, but we have a father. Don't be like those ones out there. But we have a father who knows our needs before we say them. So everything that you need, everything you desire, everything that you want, he knows them. He knows your heart. He knows you inside and out. So the very thing that you're asking for, he already knows that you want it. But it is, it, he's, he's, he's wondering. I don't think he's wondering. I'm wondering whether it's, in alignment with what God has planned for you because if it's not it's going to seem like it's you're not going to get it because it doesn't align with his will and because he's such a good father he won't give you something because he sees around the corner he sees a few years down the line and he sees that maybe this very thing may cause destruction in your life so he's saving you and it may seem like it's delay but could it be that God is saving you from something that may end up destroying you we're going to go back to that verse 1st John chapter 5 verse 14 to 15 verse 15 says and since we know he hears us 
when we make our requests. We also know that he will give them to us if we are what he he has already given to us what we ask for as long as it's according to his will. The amplified version says in verse 14 this confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness. Confidence is a privilege of boldness. To be bold, it's a privilege to know and to trust. You know, we all have that one person or multiple people that we know. You know that you know that if you tell this, if you call this person at 3 a.m., they will be there. They've got your back. They will get in their car and they will drive just to be at your bedside, just to stand with you in a moment of pain, in a moment of heartbreak. That same confidence, it's a privilege because not many people have that. Not many people have somebody they can call to and they will come running. They, not many people have are privileged to have a friend like that. So this confidence that we ask, that we have, is a privilege of boldness that we have in Him. And it says we are sure, we know, we are sure that we know that we know that if we ask anything, but it is according to His will, in agreement with His own plan, He listens and answers us. So we know that the plans that God has for us are good and not evil. So if we're asking anything according to his plan and it's in alignment, he will always answer. He will always answer. So question number one, where is your confidence? Question number two, is, it, is the thing that you're asking for in alignment with God's will? And if you're not sure, ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Reveal to me, Father, your will for my life. Reveal to me, oh God, what you have for me. Who are you trusting? Who are you asking these things? Who are you asking this question? Because you don't, ultimately, you don't know what God wants for you until you ask until you ask him and are intentional about knowing, God, what is it that you want for me? Where do you want me to go? You lead and I'll follow. Remember when I said that our lives are not ours? If God says, Mercy, I need you to get up right now and move to Uganda, am I ready to do that? Because I don't, that may not align with my plans that I have for my life. But if the ultimate planner, the master planner, knows something that I don't know. I have to be ready to align with that. And that brings me to my, my next point about this answer. God will always answer, but what if the answer doesn't look like what you want the answer to be? You know when you ask somebody a question but you know what the answer is, you know what they want what you want them to say and then they don't say it and you're upset because they haven't said what you have what you wanted to hear. But it's the answer. They've answered. So this morning this afternoon what if the answer that God has for your question isn't what you've imagined? Do you then say that God didn't answer? Do you then say that he didn't come through because it doesn't look like how you imagined it? A few weeks ago, I was on my way home from work and I was asking God, I was speaking to God, you know, just 
normal conversation. And I was, I was explaining to God, <laughs> I was trying to convince God that this thing that I want so bad is a good idea. And I was making my, you know, when it says, come, let's reason together, make her request known to God. I said, okay, cool. Let's reason. Yeah. This thing is good for me in this way. It is good for me in this way. In fact, it can even help my relationship with you. So basically you benefit from this. That's literally my reasoning. And I was having this conversation and I was like, you know, God, this is why I need this. This is, it makes, it makes so much sense. And as I was walking home, in fact, I was on the train and he, he, really, he really made me chuckle because I was like, he, God's basically, I heard the voice of God say, but how are you, why are you convincing me that your plan is better than mine? Why are you, why are you trying to convince me that what you want to do is better than what I have for you? And I honestly laughed out loud because it was the funniest thing ever. When I really like took a step back and looked at what I was doing, I was genuinely trying to convince God that my way, my plan is so good that he should give it to me. That was what I was telling God. That if you give me this, you will benefit, I will benefit. It's a win-win. But he says, everything I have for you will ultimately be better than what you have in mind. Every plan, every idea that we have is great. I'm not disputing that. It was a good idea. It was a really good idea. And honestly, it would have benefited God and me. But he says that everything that he spoke to, he began to explain to me that mercy, everything that I do, everything that I have for you is, will always be better than what you have for yourself. Because I've trusted I trust you because I trust him with my life. There is a point where my ideas stop and his either take over or overtake or overwhelm my whole idea, my whole mind and my, my system. And God was sharing with me, Mercy, if I don't give you this, does that mean I didn't answer your request? And he made me to understand that that's not the case. It just means that he has better. It just means that what I was asking for wasn't as great as what he has in store. So another question is, if you're asking and waiting for God on God for something and you already know how you want him to come through for you, you are limiting what God can do. Because if he comes through in a way that is contrary to what you have imagined, you're going to think ultimately that God didn't answer you. But he did. He answered in the way that is best for your situation. He answered in the way that is best for your life, for his plan, for your life, for his perfect will. So ultimately, everything he has for us is better. And a week later, the very thing I was asking God for, I didn't get it. But my perspective and my mindset was different. I was able to see things from a different light. I was able to understand that even though I didn't, he didn't answer the way that I wanted him to answer, he answered ultimately by giving me something better. And even though right now I don't have the tangible thing that I asked God for, there is 
better than what I was praying for. There is better than what I was waiting on. So him not giving it to me allowed me to still keep this confidence. Because, you know, when somebody, when you put your trust in someone and they let you down, what happens then? You lose your confidence in them. You stop trusting them. Let's make it very simple. You have a friend and you tell your friend, I need you. Like, I'm going through something right now. I need you here. And they say they're coming. And they don't. They've let you down. You've lost your confidence in them. Because you're not going to call them again in case they don't show up. In case they disappoint you. And what happens with disappointment is you then adjust your life because you're like you know what I've been hurt before so I'm not going to do that again and what I don't want us to do is to lose this confidence that John speaks of it is impossible to lose confidence in, in, in God because he always comes through and if you in your mind adjust your mindset if you change the way that you look at things, which is why it is so important to see things the way God sees them. If, we're, if we align ourselves and our eyes and we align our desires with His and our plans with His, there won't be disappointment because everything that you're asking for is in alignment to His will. And even though it may take a while, it, does not, it doesn't delay. The Bible says in, Hebrew, in Habakkuk chapter 2, um, God... Habakkuk asks God a question in chapter one and in chapter two, God responds. He says, write the vision, make it plain that all who see it will run with it. And there's a, there's a, there's a scripture, that, there's a verse that says, though it tarries, it does not tarry. That makes no sense. English wise, that makes no sense. He says, though it tarries, we'll turn there. Though it tarries, although it delays, it does not delay. And as I read that for years, I was like, but God, if it delays, if, if it tarries, that means it delays. How can you say if it tarries, it doesn't? No, it does. You're, you're, not, you're not being clear, you know? It's verse, um, verse three of Habakkuk chapter two. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. This is why it's sometimes good to read different versions because you get a better understanding by comparing, right? Aha, uh -huh. amplified version, verse three. For the vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens to the end fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it because it will surely come. It will not be behind on its appointed day. Every question you have, everything that you're waiting on God for has an appointed day. So you don't know that appointed day because God won't reveal that to you. Sometimes he may, sometimes he won't. So you're waiting on this thing and God says, wait, keep waiting. It's coming. Abraham's appointed day was 25 years later after God spoke. My appointed day will be different to your appointed day. 
God has spoken something. You're waiting, you're believing, you've got these questions and the questions keep piling. And he says the answer is for an appointed day because between that day and now, you have many things that you need to learn. There are certain skills you need to develop for that thing that you are asking for. So he says, wait, though it delays, it doesn't delay because something that delays means that it missed the time it was supposed to come. When the train is delayed, it was supposed to come at 12.41. It came at 12.43. It's delayed. But when God says, listen, this thing has an appointed time. It's coming at 12.41 on the 1st of January, 12.41, 1st of January, it is there. No delay. To us, it seems like delay because but God, I needed this thing before that. I need it before the 1st of January and you're telling God I need it. And you know what? It's funny. You even add faith because you believe that he will come through and he can. I'm not disputing that. He can absolutely come through before the 1st of January. But if he doesn't understand that he did not delay, he answered at the appointed time, at the right time that you needed it the right time the things that mercy at 16 17 18 and 19 was crying for and God was not answering if I was given them then I won't be here so he waited until I was 24 to start slowly giving and everything had its time never too late, always on time. And he won't be early either. Always on time. Always on time. So he will always answer. But it may not look like the way you expected it. And it may come a little later to what you want. But if we are already in alignment with him, the confidence we have in him will never be shaken because we know he will come through. We know that he will come through. We will not be disappointed. I wasn't disappointed when God didn't give me what I was asking for. I rejoiced. I was like, Do you know what? Thank you because I don't know what's around the corner. Because even though something looks like, from one perspective, it looks like this to me, I see it this way. But I failed to look at it from another perspective. I failed to look at it from a different perspective. Heck, I failed to look at it. I can't look at it from a different time. I can't look at it from the future. I can't look at what this thing will do to me 10 years down the line. So God says, I'm saving you from that. And I'm not going to give it to you just yet. Heck, I'll give you something better. And the only way we're able to continue living and continue having this confidence is if our mindset is changed and we know that even if God doesn't come through the way I want him to, it doesn't change that he is good. It doesn't change the fact that he's a good father. It doesn't change the fact that it doesn't mean he didn't answer me. You know, sometimes God's no is an answer in itself. And I've learned that recently that, you know, we praise God for the open doors. And we sing when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. But heck, when Jesus says no, nobody can say yes. And sometimes Jesus says no. 
And it's a good thing. I would rather take God's no over any human yes any day. Because I know that he, he sees all things. He knows all things. So him saying no to me isn't bad. Which is why it's, as children, when we grew up and our parents would say no, we would get so upset. But we don't know why they've said no. It could be for our own benefit. And eventually, I, think, I feel like when I become a, a parent, I can't wait to say no to my kids because I know better. In this moment, I can see that if you do this, you're gonna, this is what's going to happen. And that's the same with God. God, listen, sometimes no is the answer you, want to, you need to hear. Not what you want to hear, but you need to hear for what he has in store for you, for what's to come. My greatest fear isn't dying. My greatest fear is reaching heaven and seeing all that God had in store for me that I didn't attain. All that God had planned for me that I didn't get to do or that I missed out on because I was so adamant to have it my way. That is my biggest fear. To see the, the lives that I would have touched, the souls that I would have, you know, either brought to the Lord because of my situation, my circumstance. And all, all that needs is a change of perspective. It's very simple. A change of perspective and, a, and asking God to show you things through his eyes can save you from a lot of heartbreak. It can save you from so many things. And in recent times, God has not just taught me that no is an answer and it's a good answer. He's also taught me that silence is an answer. God's silence is definitely an answer. I was reading, I'm currently reading this book called um, Forgetting, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. It's a very powerful book by a leader, Lisa, Lisa Tursk. And she has gone through so many things and I'll just give you a little bit of her, her story just so you understand where she, how she came to this title. So she was, she's a married woman. She's been married to her husband for like 20 years and her husband had an affair and was not apologetic. He would, didn't want to come back to his, to his wife. And on top of that, he had a drug problem as well. So they divorced. So they divorced and... Um, after the divorce, she got cancer. And God healed her of this cancer. And then they reconciled. That's like the long and short of it. So then she writes this book called Forgetting, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And there is a, there's, a, there's a quote that she says, and he says, his silence is not proof of his absence. God being silent is, doesn't mean that he's absent. Because, I mean, when you read through the book, she shares about the times where she would ask God, where are you? Why, why, is, why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? And why, why are you silent in this moment? You should be speaking, showing me a way out. And she 
came to understand that his silence is not proof of his absence. It's, it doesn't mean he's not there. It does not mean that God is absent from what you're experiencing right now. Silence is sometimes all the answer you need. David writes in Psalms 37, Be still and rest in the Lord. Wait for him and patiently lean yourself upon him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. The, the Passion Translation says, Quiet your heart in his presence and wait patiently for Yahweh. Be still. Be still. Him being silent doesn't mean his absence. And maybe the silence, in that silence, there is, you know, the, there are some things that are spoken so much louder in silence than when words are spoken. And it takes a level of, like a, there's a level of a relationship you have to reach where the silence, there is some, there's words, there's a conversation that's going on even when two people are silent. And when I think about that, I think of a marriage where a husband and wife become so, they literally become one that they can have a conversation without saying words. And each of them will understand what's being said. I've seen it with some people, with, with a few couples that I know, that the silence, they're still speaking. There's still a conversation that's going on. And that's the same with us, with God. If we're so in tune with him, and our hearts align with his and our will with his, our desires with his, his silence, there will still be communication that is only revealed to you through his Holy Spirit. Guess where he lives? Inside of you. That silence, the Holy Spirit reveals to you what to do. Maybe you're asking on which direction to take and there's silence. Trust me, if you tune into that silence. Ecclesiastes 3.8 says, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. In that silence, your answer may be there. As I wrap up, I just want to leave you with this. It is your choice to look for the beautiful in what you're going through. It is your choice to look at the circumstance and find the beautiful. For we have confidence in God that he hears us and he answers, he always responds. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 23, the 8, 28 to 30, that he causes all things to work together for our good, for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. If we go back, if we go to first John, John writes that if we ask anything according to his will for our lives, we're called according to his will for our lives, his purposes. That means that everything we go through, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all working to what to for our good. And we have to see the good in that. 
We have to see the beautiful in that. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible says that he has made all things beautiful in their time. It's already beautiful. It has an appointed time that is made, but it's, he has made, past tense, it's already beautiful. And it is only perceived beautiful to our physical eyes at the appointed time. That means your pain is beautiful. But it is only perceived to be beautiful once you have gone through it and you come out on the other side and you look back and you say, wow, thank you, Jesus, for the pain. I thank you for the pain. I thank you for the tears. I thank you for the times that you said no or not yet. I thank you for you have already made everything beautiful. But our physical eyes cannot see that because there's an appointed time for it to be revealed to us. So he always answers, not how we want, but how he wants. He, the answer that you're waiting for may not look like what you think or what you want it to look, but God is ultimately going to have his way. He is always going to have his way. Heavenly Father, I speak to each and every question in this room, every request, every soul that is waiting for an answer from you. And I believe I have this confidence that when I call on you, you respond. And I pray, Father, for each and every person whose confidence right now may be failing. Their confidence in you may be a little weak. I pray, Father, that you strengthen them to know that you ultimately know what's best for them and you have their best interest at heart. And in this season of waiting for a response, in this season of waiting for an answer, may they see things through your eyes that even when the answer is not what they imagined and it's so far from what they thought you would give them, they still see the beautiful in this season. They still they still see the beautiful in what you're doing oh Lord we surrender our dreams our visions our plans our ideas into your hands and we say father have your way let your perfect will be done in our lives and once all is said and done we can look back and say God was with me is with me and will forever be with me God of my present, God of my future, you write the story, you hold it all together, you are the Alpha and your Omega, you're in the middle. You hold it all together. Oh, you hold it all together. 
Jesus, you hold it all together. You hold it all together. Oh, Jesus, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Oh, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk and don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Shiloh LDN. Once again, that's at Shiloh LDN. You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time, God bless.